0: The Askell Primary Leaders Podcast with Tiff Harris.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another Leadership Podcast. I'm Tiff Harris and I am Askell's Primary Specialist. Delighted today to be joined by Annette Montague, who is Chief Education Officer at Greenwood Academies Trust and newly appointed to Ascol Council, elected primary member. So lovely to meet you, Annette. Thank you very much, Tiff. Nice to see you so annette we're going to talk a little bit about you we're going to talk about your career your journey and then we're going to talk about some of the challenges that are facing primary school leadership right now so shall we start with a little bit about you do you want to tell us about your background your career journey so far
0: okay yes happy to and my career journey is slightly odd It's certainly not a normal route to sort of primary leadership i did my teaching and school leadership in Leicestershire which of course is slightly different to other places in the country as well. Um, When I was teaching way back when there was a middle and upper school sector and I was um, fairly predominantly in the upper school Mm. part of that I then went to the Specialist Schools and Academies Trust which some people will remember back in the days of the Specialist Schools Mm programme and I looked after science colleges there so got quite heavily involved in national school improvement particularly science and maths education and that's where I first started dangling my toes in the policy world and the and the corridors of what was probably then DCFS or whatever it was then Um, certainly not DFE quite enjoyed that and then went to the youth sport trust and I was at the youth sport trust for nearly 10 years um, looking after sports colleges And in particular, um, concentrating on how the specialism of sport and PE can be used to raise standards. And again, there spent a long time working in the education policy landscape, working with politicians and sort of high level people and got quite quite into all that. I then went for my sins, went to work in a local authority, so did cut my teeth in the local authority space which again was really interesting learned loads there Um, and that's when I started getting interested in primary education because I went to Leicester City and as you can imagine there you're talking sort of 15-ish secondary schools but 85 primary schools Um, and from a secondary background not being that confidence in a primary landscape when you're in a local authority landscape and you take on early years, you take on primary moderation, etc., you've got to learn it fairly fast. And so I was both looked after and sort of enjoyed learning very much about primary education in particular and got quite into primary ed then. Then one moved across to Greenwood Academies Trust, um, prim- firstly actually in the secondary team, um, but now my portfolio is the primary and the special academies in Greenwood. We have nearly 40 schools generally, but we've got 26 primaries, three specials, um, and that is the focus of my time. So that's supporting them, um, working with them, and obviously helping them through Ofsted, as well as now with the interim chief ed title, and much more holistic around organisational improvement, not just the school improvement. So
1: that's me. That's great. Thank you, Annette. And it is an absolute honour and privilege to have you on ASCO Council with that range (laughs) of background experience. Um, You are definitely an asset to discussion and to policy influencing um, conversations that we might have. So thank you so much for that. Um, In your role right now, you are obviously involved in the work of many primary schools in your trust. Could you talk through what you think are the biggest challenges to primary leadership right now and also where you see that going in the future?
0: Cool yeah have you got all day? I I (laughs) I knew you'd say that. Mm -hmm. I'd like to I I am generally an optimistic person I am a sort of solutions focused person but I think it would take a very very cheerful um tigger like person to (laughs) be feeling optimistic about the sector at the moment um I'm not sure the big issues are that different between primary and secondary Mm. um I don't think my list is that revolutionary, really Mm. um I think school funding yes is the primary issue and i think a lot of the other challenges fall from that actually mm. um recruitment and retention is a serious challenging issue for us mm, um great. and all the associated mass machinations around ofsted in particular again um having sort of been in this space and actually being quite an advocate for ofsted i really really get concerned about where we are now with inspections and inspectors um, and implementation of the current framework that keeps yeah. me and other leaders awake at night. It really does. Um, the other issue I see playing out in our schools daily is the really challenging aspects that come into schools from the communities around our schools. Okay. um all those challenges outside the social challenges that impact on education and impact on children, actually. And in particular, the very, very high needs of special education needs and disabilities that are now in mainstream schools. I'm really concerned about um, our ability to provide high quality education for all the children we're now expected to and the lack of casey and appropriate response from other agencies that is really necessary in order to do this job really well mm. um and i think you know you've only got to go into schools from one month to the next to see those increased social challenges changing almost daily the impact of poverty changing sort of monthly yes. and the increasingly high needs that we're having in schools in nurseries even mm, yeah, um right. I think that's that's really challenging. I mean, I would like to probably twist it a little bit because I could probably list all the things I'm worried about (laughs) to make a very depressing podcast. But it might be worth just reflecting on a couple of things that I think we shouldn't lose sight of. I do think that the quality of teaching we have in schools now is generally, of course, overall really really strong if i look back to when i first started teaching very much there was sort of an instinct about teaching and if your instinct was good and if you cared about the kids you seemed to get away with it i think if you walk into a primary classroom now i think even people without a sophisticated understanding of pedagogy will be blown away actually how our teachers are now teaching and the impact of that and I think probably since the national strategies because I'm sort of that old I think this system level understanding of pedagogy and high expectations of quality of teaching really has brought about a change in schools and I think interestingly I think parents having lived through Covid probably appreciate that more now than they ever did And obviously I'm talking generally, but I think this system level understanding about what makes good teaching and learning and the expectations we now have of teachers, which, you know, there is a challenge underneath all that. But I do think that that is strong. And I think that is reflected in how. The profession is valued by the general population. You know, every survey you read, you know, teachers and school leaders are the ones that they trust over. I mean, almost anybody else, certainly over politicians. And again, we saw that in COVID, didn't we? As families got confused about all the guidance and all the rest of it. Funnily enough, they don't all watch BBC News. It was schools they turned to, Mm. to ask for help, to ask for understanding, for their advice. It was schools that they trusted to give them decent information. And I think sort of the second part of the, what I think is still good about the sector is leadership. I think we are reaching a tipping point in terms of recruitment and retention of leaders. But I think the other thing that COVID showed us was absolutely how wonderful leaders are in our sector, what they took on, the level of responsibility that they took on for education and the health and welfare of families through that two and a half year period was utterly sensational. And I'm not sure people really understand that. I think we're still exhausted because of it. And while sort of COVID is over, the consequences of COVID aren't over, but I think I think the leadership that was shown was superb. I think also what came out really strongly there was the other roles in a school. Mm -hmm. I mean, where our our estate staff and our teachers assistants have never been valued as highly, and I think Mm -hmm. that was a really great time to shine a spotlight on the other roles in a school that maybe the general population uh, don't normally talk about when they talk about schools, and I think that was good. I think the other thing that's happening in the sector as well at the moment, and there was a period where this didn't happen very well, was collaboration. So you might think if you speak to DfE officials that there's no collaboration out there. But I strongly dispute that. We are involved in an absolute myriad of informal and formal support, visits, you, you know, telephone advice. Yes. central teams that sit on other trust boards etc i think the level of professional generosity and collaboration now is actually really strong in the sector i'm not saying everybody does it i'm not saying it's all done really well but i dispute this discussion that mats don't collaborate and they don't do this It's, it's absolutely not what i see um quite the opposite really and i think that is Really positive, and I don't think that should be underestimated by ourselves or government, actually, because I think I think that could be built upon, and I think Askell obviously shows that really strongly. It was really interesting at council to see some of the you know the discussions which are all bills built on everybody working together on something listening to other people's perspective because every every context is different and come up with a sector led solution to these things rather than just moaning about the the funding challenges that we're yeah. all facing
1: thanks for that Ned um just just on that point, if, if it does interest any of our listeners, the work that we do at Ascal Council and the position statements that we write are on our website and anybody listening who wants to see that you can go along the top and drop down onto our view and you will see um anything related to position statements in influencing policy and also a link to any press releases that we might send out so if that's something that interests you then 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 do take a look and you're right and, and they are busy they're busy days at council where you, you know our leaders do come together um to talk about the biggest issues affecting education right now I think it's I think it's really interesting listening to you because you did talk about the negatives but you've also talked a lot about the positives and the final question that I wanted to ask you which I ask quite often in these podcasts is let's go back to those negatives let's think about that let's think about how teachers and leaders are feeling right now Um let's think about recruitment and retention issues and what that's going to possibly look like in the future but we do know that this is perhaps arguably the best job in the world working in schools, working with children, and young people, building those lives for the future, working with those teachers and teams. Best job in the world, question mark in brackets. So a leader listening to this Annette, whether they are um, a leader that's, that's very experienced, just feeling very tired right now, or a new leader to education, what advice do you have?
0: Well, I think best job in the world, question mark, is, is a really good question. When I was at school, um, I always wanted to be a teacher. And all my teachers said to me, don't even think about it. You could do so much better than that. But then I was of a, a particular generation and there was a lot of action going on at the time. Yeah. And I always, clearly I didn't listen to them. But I do think back to those days, because as soon as I became a teacher, I was absolutely adamant that if a child ever said to me they wanted to be a teacher, I would say to them, it's a fabulous profession. I think you'd be brilliant at it. If I did think they'd be brilliant at it, go for it. And as you can imagine, there were a number of occasions where that did happen to me. And I sometimes see these individuals in the sector, which is great. So, yeah, of course, it's the best job in the world. Yeah, of course, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. But you, you, you don't come into it for any other reason, really. And I think there's this fallacy that the hardest years are your first years. It's rubbish. It's all hard. It's just hard for different reasons. Um, But you do it and it... it it's it's nothing clever you do do it for the kids you do do it because you want to make a difference I don't know whether they're unadopted, really yeah. I think I think the sad bit is when I speak to leaders the best advice is there is no magic silver bullet yeah. it is a case of very often at the moment taking a deep breath every day I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, putting your big girl pants on, because it's all an act, isn't it? It is as a teacher, it is as a leader, you're just acting to a different group of people. You're just trying to role model the best person you can be, thinking about the outcomes for the children that you're working for. And it's funny, I walked out of, I've been working with one of our principals who's. Um, facing a range of challenging circumstances which clearly I won't go into and as I walked out of her office the other day she'd got written on the wall just keep doing the next right thing and it's a quote from Frozen 2 I think so it's nobody you know from any fancy book or anything and I think that's actually what it is if I look at all the leaders in artists that I really respect it's nothing more clever than just Keep doing the next right thing. And sometimes that right thing is really significant. And sometimes that next right thing is to take a moment when you're walking down the corridor and asking a child how they're doing with their punctuation that week. Um, but I do think you've got to enjoy that and love it and want the kick from that. Otherwise, it is really
1: hard. Thank you, Annette. On that note, just keep doing the next right thing and remember that if you are struggling at all as Annette's already said collaboration people around you we're here for you at our school. just keep doing the next right thing but know that there's other people there that's correct just reach out get a little bit of um, support from a colleague um, do what you need to do pick up the phone call a friend Absolutely, take time out Phone Askel. Phone your union if you're not with Askell. Um we just keep doing the next right thing. Love that line. It's been lovely talking to you, Annette. Very excited to see you at the next council. Hope you're there. I hope this last one hasn't put you off. It's gonna be in June. Um it's been absolute pleasure talking to you today, and I'm really excited about working alongside you at Ascal Council in the future. So Annette Montague everyone, thank you very much for listening. And I will speak to you all again very soon thank you
0: the ask primary leaders podcast with tiff harris